Hello and welcome to In Unison, the podcast about new choral music and the conductors, composers, and choristers who create it. We are your hosts. I am Zane Fiala, Artistic Director of the International Orange Chorale of San Francisco. And I'm Giacomo Di Gregoli, a tenor in IOCSF, the Golden Gate Men's Chorus, and the San Francisco Symphony Chorus. And this is... In Unison! Let's kick off this week's episode with a piece titled Kuumba, a reflection on creativity as a gift to our community as the sixth principle of Kwanzaa, composed by this week's exceptionally creative guest, Dr. Zaneda Robles. Kuumba, Today on In Unison, we have our very first returning guest, Dr. Zeneda Stewart-Robles. My middle name is Stewart as well, although spelled differently. Born, raised, and educated in Southern California, Zeneda is in demand as a vocalist, conductor, clinician, and adjudicator for competitions, festivals, and conferences related to both choral and solo vocal music. She is also a fierce advocate for diversity and inclusion in music education and performance. Zaneda serves on the national board of the National Association of Negro Musicians and is chair of the board of directors of Tonality, a nonprofit organization that promotes peace, unity, and social justice through choral music performance in Los Angeles. 
Zaneda earned her Doctor of Musical Arts degree from the USC Thornton School of Music, her Master of Music degree from CSU Northridge, her Bachelor's from CSU Long Beach, and is a graduate of the LA County High School for the Arts. Welcome, Zaneda. Thanks so much for joining us again on In Unison. It's a pleasure to be with you again here on In Unison. I've been sporting my t-shirt. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Well, that was a good little plug. <laughs> Listeners, if you're listening out there, you can buy a t-shirt if you'd like by going to that website. You two can be as cool as the native Robles. Yeah, I have, I have the best earrings that go with the t-shirt, too. I was looking so cute this weekend. Y'all missed it. But it's Ooh, okay. Ooh, cute. Okay, wait, I, no, I need to hear about these these earrings. Oh, they're big. Like, I have these big orange, like, wooden earrings because I love the big earrings. And so um, every time I want to wear big earrings, I'm looking for an t- opportunity to wear those. And the In Unison shirt just pops it. Just oh, pops it. Yes. They look so good. That's one you of my favorite. You have to send us a picture. Backdrops. You have to send I, us a picture. I, I will. Please. I will see. Please. <laughs> um, well, we always start these conversations off, though. You do feel like an old friend to us, which we feel very fortunate about. Um, our audience is getting to know you a little bit, too. And so we'll start with an icebreaker. If you could pitch your own Netflix show, what would it be about? Oh man, Netflix would never want a show that I pitched. But um, um, it's very LA, right? This is like such yeah. an LA. Thing. Everyone has a show. Oh my god. Um, so I'll just okay. What the the first thing that came to mind? I think okay, this is so lame, but I don't know. It's a dream. Um, like back backstage or behind the scenes with football choir. It's I know that's weird. Like I. <laughs> We both like perked up. We're like, what is a football choir? Like, like a a bunch of football players who have to be in a choir together, and you and you watch them like like do football stuff, and then you have to watch them like be in a choir, and like they compare like what the similarities and differences are, and then they they bond and become like all like you know. you know, uh, in touch with their emotions and their bodies, and they they understand their athleticism in terms of their artistry and that kind of stuff. Okay, first of all, that sounds hot. I am yeah. definitely <laughs> watching that. I'm just saying. But second, what's really what's really interesting to me about that is that like that's actually very European. Like all of the guys that you see on like these football teams or like that play, it's just what you do. Like you play yeah. soccer or you play a sport, and then you sing, and that's yeah. just. Fascinating. So it may involve some travel as well. You may have to travel. I think it show. might. It's very important. <laughs> but also very hot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I want to see this that. Like... Come on, Netflix. Give me a call, I guess. I mean, I, I can't write it, but somebody else can write it. Well, you could direct like it. You could just idea. art direct it. You could just be okay. like, this is the music I need, and this is the football team. I'll help you with picking the football team. I want to pick the football team. <laughs> <laughs> Great, we could both, we could both do it. That's fine. Okay, it's all, all right, good. Deal. That's brilliant. I, <laughs> What's our show? I think What's that's a great idea. Honestly, actually, that, I would watch that, and I think a lot of a lot of people would watch that show. Actually, that's a good that's a good Aww. idea. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant idea. Call Doctor Robles Netflix immediately. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, since uh, that gave us a little bit of a taste of of who you are, um, why don't we move into who you are as a musician? And maybe you can start off by telling us why. Are you a composer? Uh, I don't know. I just was made this way, I think. Um, And I say that because I think um, I have sort of, I'm one of these folks that kind of just always knew I was a musician and was, you know, trying to write songs and 
you know, from a very young age. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, and, and I just, I just kind of always, I, I can't, I think, I mean, the earliest, like, age I remember being, do you have, do you have like the earliest age you remember being or earliest age you remember your parenting? So I remember being five years old and knowing that I was a musician and deciding I was going to start making up songs. Like that's, I, the word composer wasn't in my vocabulary, but I made up songs. And so I would make up songs and, you know, it was very awkward because, you know, I listened to the radio a lot. And so I, I heard a lot of love songs, you know, was, I was listening to like, you know, kind of eighties back then. I was, I was listening to like a lot of eighties R and B and, and sort of, you know, early hip hop type, type stuff, you know, and stuff. So a lot of love songs, a lot of love themes. And so when I'm writing songs with lyrics about making love and stuff, and I'm six years old, like that's not really the best thing, but I was definitely creative, you know? So, um, that was that was a sign that you know I was maybe <laughs> I don't know pretentious or precocious or whatever, um, but I just never had a question about what who I was like. This, that's just um, a gift, and um, but I didn't. I I think when I got into um, academia, I didn't see myself as a composer in an in an academic or serious way. Um, which I sort of regret because I think that I could have, I don't know that I would have necessarily wanted to do anything different. I don't regret my path, but I regret my, the way I saw myself or the way I didn't see myself as someone who could really seriously pursue comp music composition. I knew I wrote things and I, I kind of knew that I was, you know, I could be kind of a composer, but it wasn't until recently that I really started to come into my own and understand that I had a, a, a significant voice to contribute to the world of, of composition and particularly choral music composition. And so um, maybe in a way I've come full circle. I feel, I feel compelled to write about things, you know, that are, you know, not maybe what, what we usually hear choir singing about. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, it's just been an evolution. What is it that's happened recently that has pushed you into being more of a, a full-blown composer, as you would say? I think it was in 2018 when um, Alex Blake of Tonality commissioned me to write Can You See? And Can You See was a piece that was based, is based on protest signs that were kind of popular at the time with statements like love is love, black lives matter, no human is illegal, science is real. Um, water is life. And um, he didn't ask me about those signs. I, I don't, for some reason, that, that sign just jumped out at me as musical. And um, the piece came to me really quickly. Um, and it was the first time I felt like I sat down with sort of a composer's mindset, like a toolbox, not, not, not just a songwriter or a poet, but like, I'm going to construct this piece with these themes and these motives and layers and you know melodic content heart and harmonic you know structure you know form like i really felt like i that was the first time i really had an opportunity to use tools that i had been amassing over the years and once tonality gave me an opportunity to do that it really opened my eyes like i actually have a skill that i just i haven't been why haven't i been using this skill that was that was cool it wasn't easy, but it was definitely fulfilling. And um, that's when I kind of started 
that that piece got some attention and then I got requests to do other things and I started doing other things and so now I've been, I've got several pieces out um, some of them self-published a few are, that are published with other companies um, and I've got I've got like four commissions right now which is something I never imagined I would would have which is why I say all of a sudden now I'm, I, I feel a little bit like a baby composer because I feel like I just never imagined that I would be <laughs> sounds terrible I never imagined like I would be legit you know like I, f I feel I feel like my music has a reason to be out where before I didn't feel like my music was for anybody but me and that's really gratifying I want to ask a little bit about that and, and combine that a little bit with what you'd mentioned about academia too, that you sort of felt like um, it wasn't for you or something was, you know, that you didn't sort of feel like you were putting out there. Why do you suppose you felt that way? Um, I just didn't think my music, I, I wasn't trying to create cerebral music. I wasn't trying to use, I, I really was kind of turned on. I was, I was, I was pretty good at music theory throughout school but I was really not very good at um, uh, uh, materials of modern music and um, post-tonal analysis and all of the more modern trends in music. That really turned me off. And I was sort of like, if that's what I have to do to be a modern composer, like, screw that. I don't wanna, I don't wanna make music like, that music doesn't speak to me. And it, that music is, I understand its place. And I definitely appreciate being an artist, you know, as a singer who has enough skills to sort of execute music like that, like I can appreciate it from an academic standpoint, but I don't want to hear that, <laughs> like, you know, like I don't want to, I'm not going to sit down and want to listen to it. I mean, I get, unless, you know, I'm trying to challenge myself, you know, from a musical academic standpoint, but I, mean, I guess you have, I mean, every art you have to push, you know, the envelope, but I wasn't trying to push anything. I'm not, I'm not trying to push anything in terms of technique or, you know, uh, compositional vocabulary. I just have emotions that I want to explore, or I want I have subjects that I want to explore using a musical vernacular that I was familiar with or that, that was intriguing or, or sonically exciting to me. Like I love exploring, um, I, you know, I like the sounds of the whole tone scale. I like, I love extended harmonies and jazz chords. I like ninths, you know, I like ear candy. You know, I like the stuff that just, that sounds pretty. And I also like, I like exploring, the, you know, the divisions of the octatonic scale. I got into that a little while and I love how there's different chords that you can pick out of that and, and move around, you know, um, tertiary harmonies and stuff like, so I, I could get kind of nerdy about it, but it was never en far enough to, to be what I thought would be serious music. So that's why I didn't really think of my music or my com compositional voice as being one that needed to be out. That's such an interesting thing to bring up. You know, we, we've had a conversation with a lot of our guests about uh, academia and it's the way that music that is academic uh, is exclusionary, you know, in that if you don't understand it, then you can't appreciate it, that kind of thing. And and I think that your music, and you mentioned your piece, Can You See, which, of course, is is really easy to uh, get attached to. I personally am very attached to that composition. I think Same. that it, it's, it's just a really moving piece of music. And, Thank you. And the thing about it, and we talked to Alex a little bit about this as well, is that it's it's inclusive. It's the kind of music that you don't have to know music theory. You don't have to know what octatonicism means or any of the things that you just referenced. 
You don't have to know any of that stuff to be able to appreciate and for it to move you. And yet it is chock full of those things. Like the last minute, all the contrapuntal things that you have done where you've set the melody of the national anthem and there is just a car wreck going on behind you emotionally. (laughs) I mean, it is just extraordinary. But like, I mean, are there other like little hidden nerdy details you might be able to tell us about? (laughs) Um... Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, it's hard to say because I, I think with like a piece like that, I, I think that, well, for one thing, I, I don't throw too many nerdy details into a piece. Like maybe there's like one nerdy detail, you know? So, <laughs> so like the detail about can you see is the, the, the motives, you know, each, each line from the, from the, uh, protest sign has its own motive and its own treatment. Um, and so, you know, you know, that's borrowed from, I don't know who who did who did motives and things. You, I don't know a bunch of opera composers did mo- motifs and you know or like you know the film score people do do motifs and stuff like that. You know, right? Yeah, you yeah. You can take a single motive movies, and develop. Yeah, sure. Start. Yeah, every every Star Wars character has its own theme, right? Mm-hmm. So it's similar, sort of in a way, like on a much much smaller scale. Can you see each each line has its kind of own thing? You know, um, so I'm or. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's basically it, you know. And then there's this this idea. Maybe there you could think of uh, this the middle section, the the motif that I created for the science is real section, which I think Alex says is like his one of his favorite parts. Um, but the sci- the science section is kind of a canon, um, and then it's a canon um, sort of with um, is real, yeah. Da, da, da. yeah, exactly. And so I've just kind of layered that at different levels. And and then the each voice part comes in, you know, kind of staggered entrances, and then the last voice parts to come in are the sopranos, and just kind of ramp it up a little bit. With their entrance is actually aleatoric, so they don't even have a, a metrical moment to come in. They just right. once they start, they just kind of sing at their own, you know, speed and um, and tempo to kind of give it this kind of weird, weird kind of out of time, you know, sort of infinity sound is what I, I think I was thinking of in terms of when I think of science, I was, I think I really was thinking about the the infinite awesomeness of, of space. And so that's what I was trying to create by layering this canon, the order of the canon, and then the, the uh, infinite possibility of the aleatoric motion of the Sopranos. Brilliant. That's nerdy. Oh my, oh my God. God so all nerdy. of that in like five, six minutes. Good that Lord. Good. How you that good. And it's amazing to hear you talk about these movie theories and be like, eh, I don't know. I'm not really. Th-. And then just be like, but actually I'm a master of all of them. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. I love that. It's, just, it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Let's listen to Zaneda's incredibly moving and inclusive piece now, showing her uniquely complex compositional style. This is Can You See, performed by Tonality on their album Sing About It. Oh, 
say, can you see, 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 by the dawn's early
you've gotten, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you're, you're, um, we're talking a little bit about your process here. Um, and you've gotten quite busy and sounds like lots of folks are kind of calling and which is great. Like, it's wonderful to see, um, to see that. Um, what are your favorite types of commissions to fulfill? I mean, do you often get handed a text and then you go or like, what are the attributes of a commission that you're like, yes, I'm going to pick up this project. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I actually don't like commissions. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard I'm not, to be constrained. Yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. You, well, well, here's the thing. I mean, like, like I said, like you know, I'm, I'm sort of at the beginning stages of what I hope will be a long, continuous compositional career. But I'm not making my living solely as a composer, and I'm not trying to hustle. Like honestly, just in terms of life and practicality, I can't, I can't handle commissions. The reason why I have these, these commissions that I have are because they're things that I really, really wanted to do. So you know, like finish my acapella mass and write for, I've been dying to write for um, the Episcopal church. And so I have a couple of commissions that are for church because I love that. I love the Episcopal church tradition. I'm an Episcopalian and a lot of my music, you know, lately I've been doing a lot of music that is, you know, sort of, you know, diversity oriented or justice, social justice oriented and stuff. And just to get back to spirit and, and, and back to my, um, sacred music root my sacred roots um because, because sacred music is so was so formational for me especially my with my work in the episcopal church as a singer as a soloist and section leader so i i've, I've got years of experience and, and that i want to honor that and i want to sort of offer you know kind of the you know like all of that experience marinated in is marinated in me and comes out in these compositions and so the opportunity to actually do that for 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 a church you know or an organization that wants wants to hear my voice you know in that space my compositional voice in that space like that is so exciting to me and and doesn't come along very often so i had i have two opportunities for that to happen this year and i couldn't pass it up because i i want my music to live in that space that i love you know, in those, in those, in those spaces. Um, let's talk about another piece that, um, that, that weighs heavy on the heart. I think when you listen to it and you understand it, a piece called that you wrote recently called she lingers on and it uh, explores depression and mental health. You wrote that it is quote, um, a choral expression of the sadness and loneliness one might feel when depressed. It's like being submerged underwater with waves of despair crashing over you, keeping you down. You can't breathe, but you can't give up. It's like coming completely apart while trying to hold it together. I am sure that there are many of us, particularly over the last year, year and a half, mm. who have felt this um, in isolation. We've felt it for ourselves. And um, and even with May being Mental Health Awareness Month, I think lots of us mm-hmm. have been thinking about this. Um, let's talk a little bit about the... the it, it creates such a feeling. What did you consider instrumentally when you were writing this piece? Like, What was the soundscape you wanted to create that sort of reflects that feeling? So She Lingers On was an improvisation. Um, And so there was the, it wasn't, um, there was no concept. It was one day I was freaking depressed. (laughs) You know, like, you know, I, you know, I struggle um, with, with bouts of depression, anxiety, and have struggled with that for over 20 years, you know. Um, And I was having a day. And so I was sitting in my classroom, um, my students had gone for the day, and I just sat down and started playing this little riff, which I thought was the saddest, 
what is it's it's f b what is it da, 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 da. no it's f c b flat a and that b flat in there da, 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 da. with the pedal down it's just kind of it just kind of sticks there and it's like it won't go away it's not it's not necessarily ugly but it's not it's not resolved it's not resolved that's how i feel it's not resolved it's not it's not it's not settled not fixed and so i just started playing that riff and i just started singing some random words and those are the words that came out and i and i hit record on my phone and so she lingers on is the transcription of what I recorded that day on the, even the piano part, I, it was hard to transcribe the piano part because I just, you know, it was just very much a uh, kind of a, uh, a wash of C minor after I went from, you know, I was kind of like in this F F B flat land that was just kind of, I don't know what it is. Is it F is it B flat? And then eventually some kind of wave came and I was, we were in C minor where, whoa, you know, like, I don't know how that happened. So, that's what I mean by these weight. And eventually I climbed back up out of C minor and got back to F-ish, you know? And like that, that's what it felt like. It's F major going to C minor, going back to F major. I guess it's not super weird, but the way that I got there is not tr like through traditional, um, you know, tonal harmony. You know, it's not like the, like a, like a, uh, what would C be? It's not like F is one to minor five to one. It's, it doesn't function that way. It doesn't have the same function. It's just, I fell off a cliff into C minor, you know? So when you think of it like that, like there, there's this idea of function not happening the way it would traditionally, which I think is, is what I was trying to do in the piece. And I, and I, I hope that that comes across as this instability. It definitely did. I was talking Let's listen to some of Zeneda's beautiful and heartfelt composition. Here's She Lingers On.
I was talking with my brother a few days ago about his mental health. I mean, he, he as many of us do, struggled with um, depression and anxiety. And he described the feeling that I think you described perfectly, that sort of B-flat of like that unresolved feeling. And he um, he described it as like that moment of anticipation, like when you have a chill, you mm. usually get a, re- you know, you, you usually can work it off because your body will shake it off in that feeling. But he described it as a chill you just can't resolve yeah in your body this physical sense that's constantly there and i think that progression that b flat absolutely creates that feeling where you're like i do, i feel unresolved or unsettled in some way and it captures that feeling beautifully i think it was really extraordinary yeah yeah it's it's interesting listening to that and then they listen to it on the 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 thing is is that it became it didn't become a choral piece until i got it i was commissioned to write a choral piece and i thought well what kind of piece you know it was kind of like you can write whatever you want you know what i what i did was is i i was like i told my daughter you know i have a i have a teenage daughter and i went to her and i said hey um felicity i have to i've been asked to write this piece for a treble choir you know and you're my daughter she sings in choirs too and she's a singer she, i trust her mm-hmm. um and i was like what would you, what, what kind of piece would you like to sing? And she's like, I don't, oh, she, oh, we, ha- I remember we had a really important conversation. She said, you know, I don't know. I want to sing about music that like is about what we actually are going through. And I was like, like mind blown. She's like, she's like, cause we sing a lot about love and about God. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, tell me about it. It's all about love. It's either love songs or God songs. Right. And she's like, but I don't know, I don't really know mu- that much about God or even if, even if I believe in God. And I, don't, I have never experienced love. I don't know what love is. But, you know, I know friends who have gone through divorces. And I know I have friends that are struggling, you know, that are, you know, depressed. And I have, and when she mentioned these things that she was going through, you know, or the, she said, you know, about the, or the environment and climate change. Like, these are, these young people are dealing with this stuff. And I said, okay. Hey, I'm gonna play you something in a moment of like real vulnerability. I'm gonna play my 13, then 13 year old daughter this song I wrote. Like, you know, she trashed this, right? <laughs> but, um, but I played her my improvisation of she walk. Uh, then I, call, I was calling it she walks in pools, and she listened to it and she said, I could sing that. And I said, okay, then I'm then I will set it, and that's what I did. Beautiful. Oh, my heart is like melting into a little puddle. It is like mm-hmm. the most beautiful origin story for a composition, I think. <laughs> you had written um, a piece, and I, we just happened to find this on your SoundCloud, and you mentioned, first of all, your, your acapella mass, which I'm very interested in. But you also posted a Kyrie, which uh, we all know is the... Yeah, that's, the fir- that's part of the acapella mass. So the Kyrie is the first movement. I actually wrote the Kyrie when I was 17. It wasn't oh, a Kyrie wow. at that time. It was... It was what I called a weeping song, <laughs> and it had no words. Um, and it was heavily influenced by um, the Barbara, the Barbara on Day, you know, the Adagio strains that he wrote, you know, and turned into a choral piece, um, which just murdered my heart every time I heard it, you know, when I was 17 years old. And so that was kind of like my tribute to, to Samuel Barber. And then eventually, because I figured out, you know, hey, I probably could do more with this if it actually had words. And what words should I use? Well, churches use a lot of choral music. I think the Kyrie word, this, that's Kyrie eleison Christe. There's not too many words. I could probably make that fit. So that was a very practical marriage of, of text and music um, that worked really well um, as part of my sort of, you know, choral, evolving choral journey when I was doing um, my work at CSUN, Cal State Northridge. Um, 
so that's where that became Kyrie. And then after that, the, it, the other movements have sort of just been kind of in workshop mode. And so, but now I have an opportunity to complete the work and um, I've got four out of, I've got about four out of five done. Uh, so I got to get the fifth one. I got to punch that out somehow. <laughs> but I, I think I can, I think I can do it. I'm looking forward to it. Here's the first movement of Zaneda's a cappella mass, the Kyrie. Is it, are you, do, are you following the sort of traditional mass, like the Agnus Dei and the full? Yeah, yeah. I, so, mm-hmm, so I've got the, I've got the Kyrie, I've got the Credo, I've got the Sanctus, I've got the Agnus Dei for the most part. I got to rework some things and the Credo is almost finished, but I know how the ending is. I know how it's going to go. It's all up here. Don't worry. And then <laughs> the, but the Gloria, which probably, which I keep 
feeling like should have been the easiest, probably the first thing to come out. But Gloria is like stuck, like it's constipated up in my brain. I can't get it out. <laughs> I need some kind of compositional laxative because it's stuck. I can't get it out. <laughs> I mean, do you find that, I mean, you, you, you refer to the Kyrie as being a weeping song. Yeah. I mean, do you have a, a feeling yet or a color or an emotion that's attached to what you want to do with the Gloria? That's a great question. I, I think... You know what's the, here's my problem. Thank you for helping me. I'm trying to be coral X lax here. No, I'm you're trying to work, through, it. Working it work out. through this. Work it out. <laughs> so nasty, but anyway. <laughs> Sometimes you got to work it out. Yeah, you know. Well, here's the thing. I have when I was I came up with this melody for the Gloria that sounds too much like a theme or a like a. a, a a, a segment of music I heard from Conan the Destroyer. Oh. I don't know why. It's it, somehow, <laughs> it's like the most random thing. I saw Conan the Destroyer when I was young. The movie traumatized me when the when the thing comes to life at the end and there's this party music playing, okay? And you, you probably, I, I can't even describe how that music sounds except for it's kind of in three and it's in, um, it's in G major. That, and that's the thing. So the Gloria is in G major, and it kind of has this modal sort of um, mixolydian feel, and it's kind of got this party. But that party goes to hell. Like everybody dies at the party. Like the like thing comes to life and kills everything. So my I can't have my Gloria sound like that. I gotta get that melody out. I don't think that melody's gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love finding those pop references. So like I I'm sure somebody would be like, hey, oh wow, what's the Conan I don't think destroyer. anybody's going to recognize Conan in my, my <laughs> That's true. I don't, Zane might. He's a big uh, John. Well, and uh, actually, I actually have this problem where when I listen to music, I hear other music almost always. Yeah. Like if I hear a little snippet of a melody, I go, oh, that was such and such a song from something or other. And I, oh, I call yeah. composers out on it all the time. I'm like, did you mean to reference this song by so-and-so <laughs> right here? And like I questioned Vince Peterson about that. But yeah, actually, I was going to say in the Kyrie, your Kyrie, I listened to it and I wrote, I wrote down some notes about it. And I wrote that there were several moments in it where the music was really reminiscent of like, 50s and 60s pop songs. In fact, there was one moment where I was like, "That was a that was a Beatles song." I swear, I just heard a Beatles what? song. It was I really wonder where that is. That well, that's really interesting because at the time I wrote that, like, I don't think I had that soundscape in my in my um, in my environment. So I don't know where you got that from. <laughs> I don't know. That's just what I heard. I so but that doesn't. But the, but here's the thing, like. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, this idea that you hear you hear song, you hear melodies and things recognizable in composers music. I think it'd be crazy to think that composers don't have other music going on in their minds when they're composing their thing. Like that's that's how music, you know, is is born. You know, we oh, yeah. build on what we we build on what we know, we build on what we hear. And that's part of the reason maybe that's the the, the issue I sometimes have with academic music is because it feels so disconnected from our what's happening in our world like i don't i don't want my music i want my music to help me connect with my world you know and so finding connections with you know you know other themes or other music or other subjects or you know any anything that can help us find connection i feel like is 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 um generative and wholesome and and is a reason for you know why we make our art right yeah 
Well, you had a piece that threw me back and, and created a connection for, for me, um, Lady in Blue. Mm. Shifting gears a little bit here, because this piece just hits so hard and it feels really deeply personal. Um, and of course, it, it's um, the text is by Entozaki Shangi uh, from her brilliant piece for Colored Girls, mm-hmm. uh, Who've Considered Suicide When the Rainbow's Enough. I mean, it threw me back to being in college and, you know, being a gay white boy, being like, oh my God, so many feelings, you know, but it's just being like, oh, this is an experience I don't know and understand and just being bowled over by it. Um, mm-hmm. What inspired you to reference that text for your composition? I'm glad you brought it up because I, I think that this is a piece that's becoming harder for me to talk about because the way that it came about was so sort of innocent. I did not know that work at all when I wrote this piece. I wrote, I actually conceived of it and recorded it when I was, um, I guess I was 16. And I, I wrote it for a friend, who went for a dancer. I went to the LA County High School for the Arts and we both were competing in a competition called the NAACP Act So Competition. And she was competing at the, at the national level in modern dance. And the year previous, I had won at the national level for composition for my, for my piece, um, A Mother's Plea, The Angels Bro- which essentially is my Psalm 121, so, which is one of the pieces on there. So I, I, won, I won an award for that at this composition. So at this competition. So the next year, I wrote a piece for my friend who was competing in, in dance. And she asked me to set that text because she wanted to dance that text. And so when I wrote it, I, that's, that was probably the first time I used a technique that I've come to rely on, I really like to use, which is sort of, I improvised singing the text and then I arranged my improvisation. That's how I, that's how I composed that piece. And so what I did when back then, back in the day, I had a, like a tape recorder, right? And so I just recorded myself singing an improvisation of, of that text. Um, and, you know, so I, I just let the text kind of speak to me, you know, just whatever it was saying. I didn't have any connection to the poet. I didn't know anything about the, the work. I just heard the words and the words had that music to it. And so, um, and I didn't write it. Nothing was written down. It was just all in recording. And so then I, put a, um, I, I organized or arranged an accompaniment with it that I played by ear. And then I, um, it actually had like a percussion accompaniment too. So it, and it was, a, it was kind of a pop, there was like this improv that I went over and I go, I start riffing at the end and everything like that. So um, that's how the piece began. It was not a choral piece at all. Um, it was a, it was really a kind of a pops, like a, like a pop art song. And then Alex was doing, tonality shows up again. You know, he said that he bullied you into composing things, and now I'm believing this a little bit more. You know, he's a very persuasive person. But I had been wanting, I felt like, again, like, I never thought that that piece really, I didn't think that the way, I knew that the subject was, was serious enough. But I didn't think, two things, I didn't think that that subject was, that, that the choral world or the world was ready for that kind of song. Like, I couldn't imagine where that song would live. And um, I did not, 
I didn't think that the way that I had set that text was serious enough because it was more, it was more, it was in a more popular style. Mm-hmm. So that piece sat kind of just in my mind and on a, on a track, on a tape, on a tape, like a cassette tape for 20 years. And, and then I went back and, li- and listened to it and I transcribed what I had, um, what I recorded. And that's how, and I arranged it for, for, for treble voices and piano. And that's how we got Lady in Blue for, for. And so what's the reception been like? Um, it, it's been interesting. Um, I don't, you know, it's hard to say it's good. I, I may be mixed. Um, I think that some, uh, institution, like, like, um, Educators, educators at the um, in higher ed institutions are, you know, kind of they want to they're ready to take on more substantial subject matter, and they're they they really want to want to dig into a work like this, but they're not there. There's some fear about how do you put this on a concert, you know. Um, there have been uh, conductors that work with treble choruses, you know, with younger aged. Um, who want to do do something like this with their younger aged um, singers? Um, because it's because it's not. Di- I mean, I don't think it's difficult. It's like it's very singable, and you know, it's it's in an idiom that you know, like young, you know, high, uh, high school treble chorus, a really good high school treble chorus could nail that piece. But <laughs> you try to. <laughs> I tried. I thought about doing it with a high school treble chorus. I shared it with them, and I got calls from parents. Why are you doing? Why are you doing that? That is remarkable. Why are you talking about this? So this doesn't belong in in class. I think you're you know you you've gone too far. I don't want my child singing about abortion and the and the graphic nature of the words. I mean, it's poetry. There's nothing. There's nothing. It, it's po- it's poetry. You know, we we sing. It's a classic. I mean, this piece at this point has made such an impact. This is. I mean, and who do they think is taught needs to be talking about this topic? Who are you telling? Right. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying, like, th- so there's that. So Ugh. I don't know what, what's, what this piece is going to do. I, 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 well, and the good, I mean, the thing is it's out now, you know, if you got, if people want it, it's out, you know, just buy it. <laughs> you can have it. You can do whatever you want with it. You know, if you purchase it, um, with, with whoever you want to do it. But I, but I think, um, as, as mainstream repertoire, I don't know that it's there yet or, I don't know if it will get there because of the, you know, there's a lot of, of, uh, there's, there's something, there's some courage that needs to be in place and some, you know, real vulnerability, um, on the, not just on the part of the singers and the conductors, but you got to trust your audience with it too. And that, that's the thing, you know, um, (laughs) there, we have, we have a lot of relationship building to do before we can, I think, deal with a piece like that. Here's that piece now. This is Lady in Blue, performed by Tonality.
Well, it's remarkable also that you are, a, 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 I guess, not even a member. You are the chairman of uh, Tonality in L.A., mm-hmm. which feels like, um, boy, it's, it's, it sounds strange to say that it's a new category in terms of, like, the type of music. But the, in some ways, like, what you've just described is exactly... Um, the audience that that is hungering to hear this music, yeah, um, and you've sort of really crafted and created it. How did you first um, become a part of Tonality, and why was it important to you? Um, <clears throat> Alex was, you know, like many of us, reeling from the, uh, you know, systemic uh, police violence. Um, I can't. It's, it sounds so awful for me to say this. I can't remember which poor black person was killed at the time Alex wanted to go and decide to form this org, this group. But yet another person had been murdered. And, you know, he called me up and he was like, I want to start a group. I want to start a group that really, um, you know, it has diversity at its core so that we can start seeing each other as human. You know, um, and uh, he didn't. Not, not, those are my words, not his. But 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 I understood it that way. And so I helped. I you know he asked me if I who who did I think might be interested in a group like this because um, you know I had assembled in a, a choir in the past, like a, like a diverse choir in the past. Um, and so I kind of gave him some contacts of mine, and um, he did all the kind of you know legwork to get the to contact people to get everybody together. And once we got in a room, I, I, I started off as a singer. I was just one of the the other people that wanted to process what we were experiencing in the world um, through choral music. And that's what we did. We deferred from the first rehearsal. It was a combination of the repertoire and of Alex's ability to um, shape a sound and connect. I mean, he just, just the way, I mean, he's, he's an expert, you know, conductor. He's just a, he's just an excellent technician. And so there's something about the way he's able to connect what we sing to what we feel that made, uh, made that feel like it was just like an electric experience. We knew we had something special, um, I I think. Um, And so I just believed in it from then on. I just felt like, because I felt like the, we we needed it was it wasn't it wasn't for because we wanted to create a group you know so we could go perform for audiences we were it was for us I we needed each other um, and we need and and so that's one of the one of the things about the level of excellence of tonality is is I I think it's one of the reasons it might be as high as it is the excellent the excellence I mean I mean is because again this music we're making is for us also it's our it's our healing um, you know. Uh, experience and so we give it our all because it's from us for us Um, and I I think that really is special about tonality um, and that radiates out into our performance and touches the audience as well Um, you can't go to a tonality concert and not hear and feel connection like even if you're not a connection oriented person you'll you'll you won't have any you won't be able to escape seeing it like this is what it looks like so jump on board you know well, I mean, that, that dovetails so beautifully into another of your compositions, a beautiful piece called Umoja, which <laughs> the term uh, means unity, to strive for and maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race. And as you can imagine, unity is an important concept for the hosts of a podcast named In Unison. It's mm-hmm. something that we strive for as well. Um, but what does that maybe, what does that piece and sort of, um, uh, and Tonality's mission, 
What does that concept mean to you as it relates to the choral community at large? Umoja is, you know, a piece that sort of embodies, I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's like, it, it is unity. I mean, that that's what it is. And so I think it's unity existing wherever, you know, two or more people are gathered, you know, that's where Umoja can be found. And Umoja can be sung, you know, by two or more people. It could be sung by one person, really. I mean, it can be embodied in an infinity of combinations of voices and people. That, that's what I designed it for. Um, it's uh, designed to be, you know, learned in unison. It's designed to be kind of learned call and response style. It is notated. So if you want to calculate the pitches and rhythms, you can. It's designed, you can do it in solfege. It's easy enough. It's, it's very simple. It's, it's a very short motif. And the piece that, um, the actual, it's a, the, re- the arrangement that I composed um, of my original tune, uh, you know, it's, it's just an arrangement that, you know, using some compositional techniques, like layering, you know, and, and uh, staggering interests and, you know, adding a little bit of this, you know, it's like you're cooking, you just add some spices and stuff. But it's, you know, the, the main part of the dish is, is the, the umoja. that's it that's all it is it's like do and and so please just keep going just keep going (laughs) but that's it i I can't because that's all there is (laughs) that's all there is and the next step would be now you do it that's what makes umoja umoja it's now you do it it's always that invitation for you to join because in order for me to experience unity i need you to to unite with me, right? So that's that's the purpose and the point behind you, you um, Umoja and why it relates to my work, you know, in various spheres of the core world, but in, but specifically to tonality. Tonality hasn't done it yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, get on it, Alex. Come on. I mean, there, you know, but there's there's some. It's it's such a. I don't know. Maybe I should bug him about it. Why haven't you done Umoja? You know. Um, <laughs> well, it's such a beautiful. It's a, such a beautiful invitation. It's really so beautiful. For it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Let's talk a little bit about um, looking forward and some projects you're excited about. I mean, aside from, of course, football and choirs. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I am going to be there to yeah. help whatever you need to, to make that happen. You let me know. Yeah. Um, but tell us a little bit about some projects that you're working on that you're excited about. What should be on the lookout for in the next coming weeks and months? Um. So probably not weeks and months. Probably more like maybe several months or maybe even a year. Um, I think I'm going to take some time to like really process a lot of what's been going on. And um, I think I'm really looking at some, some sacred music that I'm looking to write. Um, uh, this, my Magnificat and the Dimittis I'm trying to uh, get worked on. Um, some organ music. I'm really having a good time. Um, learning about the organ. Um, I started a piece, I started a couple pieces. I have a, a work that I'm working on right now for someone and um, I did not know enough about the organ yet to write a piece and I, so I wrote something down um, because Finale can notate it but I did not consider the fact that just because Finale can notate it doesn't mean that the organ can play it. So um, <laughs> so I'm in a learning mode right now just just full disclosure like I you know um, I, I have some some study to do which I'm really really looking forward to um, take this summer to really sort of kind of go back to school but school on my terms where I'm not trying to please some professor or get a grade like it's just so that I can get better and 
um, learn my craft. Um, I'm gonna. I'm taking some lessons um, with one of my favorite people ever. I'm not gonna say who it is, but um, it's it's really really neat to have um, colleagues that you admire and love so much, um, and you know just being able to 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 share ideas and, and work with each other. So I'm I'm really just trying to learn more about the craft, and so I'm looking forward to having a decent organ piece couple of great um, sacred pieces um, and hopefully some instrumental music as well. Well, I know you have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to choirs and people to try out your music, but if you ever need a willing choir, you let us know. <laughs> we have Thank several. You. I know Zane, you've got this straight line to Zane and I'm sure he's a big fan and uh, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, Zane, but, <laughs> well, but I know he is. He's nodding along, which is great. Oh, yes. Right. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> um, in our, in our last few minutes, maybe um, you can tell folks where we can find you online because you've mentioned that you are, have published a few pieces. So mm-hmm. where do we go if we want to pick up some of your great new music and where can we listen to you? So most of my music can be found uh, on my website, which is simply zanadarobles.com, which is just my first and my last name. Um, but there are a few scores that uh, are listed but that are not available. You can't actually purchase them from the website, but you can find them. Um, there is by arrangement of Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is published uh, by E.B. Marks Music and available through um, distribution with Hal Leonard. There is No Fairy Tale Here, which is published by Music Spoke. And there is She Lingers On, which is published by Pavan Publishing. But I have, those are listed in a lot among my works, and I think I have some links to um, where you can find those. So um, ch- take a look at that. And then my SoundCloud uh, is is up and running and I have many of the pieces recorded. Um, if you can stand hearing my voice a lot, <laughs> I go in and I multi-track myself singing all of the parts, um, including the bass part. And I'm not a bass, I'm, I'm, I'm totally a soprano, but I'm just the nerd. So that's what I do. I go and sing all the parts because it's fun. And then I upload them to SoundCloud just to give you a sense of what they're like. They're not meant to be done that way. But um, if you want to know what my music sounds like, at least get a sense, you can find it on SoundCloud. And of course, we can hear you singing on the new Tonality album as well, right? That's correct. I am. I well, yes, I am. I'm worked in there somewhere. <laughs> well, it's been so wonderful to chat with you, Dr. Robles, and to get to know you better and to dive into your process. It's so inspirational to hear you talk about just the many ways that you've come to composition, you know, and uh, I think it's inspiring uh, for those of us who maybe don't want to write academic music, but we want to write music that moves people. And you definitely have done that. So, you know, we thank you for the music you're putting in the world and um, for the energy that you've, you've brought to, at least to me and Giacomo today and to our listeners as well. It's been really, really wonderful to chat with you. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to to talk to you as well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Let's end this week's episode with an invitation to unity. Here's Dr. Robles' piece, Umoja.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the In Unison Podcast. Be sure to check out episode extras and subscribe at inunisonpodcast.com. You can follow us on all social media at inunisonpod. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to let us know what you think. Podcast transcripts edited and refined by Chorus Dolores, who'd like to remind you to update Zoom before rehearsal. In Unison is produced and recorded by Mission Orange Studios. Our theme music is Mr. Puffy, written by Avi Bortnik, arranged by Paul Kim, and performed by the Danish vocal jazz ensemble Dynamic on their debut album, This Is Dynamic. Special thanks to Paul Kim for permission. Be sure to check them out at www.dynamicjazz.dk.